Happy holidays, everyone. This is Kim Bean, and I am your host for All Things Wolf and Wild. You know, I get a lot of emails. Um, a lot of times, these emails consist of the simple questions of, how did you become a wolf advocate? Or tell me your story. Why are you a wolf advocate? What made you do this? And how do you do this? And a lot of those emails, um, I start to type out a response and immediately I'm like, ugh, this is too hard to type. And I don't think it really, when you put, put words into paper, unless you're an incredible writer, um, I don't think it really is understood just exactly what the feeling is behind those words. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take a quick 15 minutes or so and I'm going to just kind of tell my story. So here is my story on why I am a wolf advocate and kind of what makes me tick as far as an advocate. So here it is. Uh, I was born and raised in Wyoming. Um, I spent pretty much, I grew up an outdoors person, very much in the wild. We spent a lot of time camping and, and I was always pretty much um, searching for wildlife and viewing wildlife. I was just always drawn to that wild that, that wilderness aspect of things. And uh, that never changed. So as I continued to grow and move and change, I moved into Colorado and, you know, just continued doing what I do. And um, one day um, in, uh, I guess, 2004, um, I'd always... I'd been to Yellowstone National Park as a kid, and it had been quite a few years since I had been back. But I, you know, had kind of followed the reintroduction of wolves and, and was always fascinated. Even as a child, I was fascinated by wolves. I never understood the evil that was put, you know, put, put upon them, but I also didn't know them. Um, I'd never seen a wolf, and there was always that iconic, mysterious kind of thing, you know, and folklore always just made them seem, I don't know, evil. But I was always fascinated by them. And uh, like I said, in 2004, um, for my birthday, uh, we decided to go to Yellowstone. And um, I'd always wanted to go back. And so we did. And I was hooked once again, but only as an adult this time. I was hooked completely. And so we continued to go back almost every week, which was quite the, quite the, uh, 550 mile drive for like a three or four day weekend. But we went back and I needed to see wolves. That was, that was it. That's, that was my thing. But I got to learn Yellowstone pretty quickly and, um, got up really early in the morning. And as I tell people to do and got out to Lamar Valley and uh, I was positioned at a, a pullout, um, right, uh, right, so you can take a look and see a place called Jasper Bench. And on that bench was a famous wolf pack called the Slough Creek Pack. And uh, this gentleman, I just stood there and, and um, just kind of watched all these people lined up with scopes. And I thought, wow, this is pretty intense. I wish I could see what they were seeing. And this gentleman leaned back, and he had this uh, very nice Zeiss scope. And he said, would you like to see a wolf? I said, yeah. And so I kind of 
walked right on up there and closed one eye and looked into the scope and wow, there it was. There was a bison running and I could see the whites of its eyes. It was definitely like, oh my God, this look. And right behind it was this incredibly beautiful gray wolf. And he had his tongue hanging out the side of his mouth. He sure as heck uh, wasn't chasing this bison um, in a hard way. He definitely was just kind of playing it out. But it was the most amazing moment I think I've ever had. Um, that first time moment uh, in that capacity. And I leaned away really quick and I looked at this gentleman who I wish I could know who his, who he was and what his name was because he changed my life forever. And that was it. I stood there and I thanked him very much for letting me view through his scope. Um, and I watched and I watched and it was amazing. So the next week I went and I bought a Swarovski scope and that was, that was the end of that. I continued to go back as often as possible and viewed these wolves and fell in love with, um, a specific wolf pack. I prefer the center of the park and, um, I was absolutely amazed and hooked on a pack called the Hayden Valley pack that, um, was located in Hayden Valley. She was the most incredibly beautiful white wolf I had ever seen. She had feminine features, but was tough as nails. And her mate, her alpha mate, that was 540F was her number, and 541F was her mate. And he was this big, handsome, gorgeous gray wolf. And the two of them literally had this amazing hmm, family and a family dynamic. And everybody had their names and I learned everybody and I would backpack with them and we would hike with them. And it was a time when the park was alive and still full of, um, I don't know, want and, and dream and excitement without fear because wolves were still listed under the Endangered Species Act and they were still protected. So we didn't have this concern so much that these wolves would die someday. And uh, I was enthralled. I, was, I, I couldn't get enough of these wolves. And uh, as time continued um, in 2007, she and her mate were killed by the Molly's pack. And my, I was devastated. But there was also an understanding of this was wolves. You know, this is how they, how they worked. But as time continued, her daughter um, took over, and she was the canyon female of the canyon pack. And she, too, was this incredibly beautiful white wolf, just like her mom. An incredibly, wow, strong wolf, like her mom. <laughs> and continued to raise wonderful pups and... They grew up to be great wolves as well, and so on and so on and so on. So I continue this, but um, finally I'd, I, I, I knew that I needed to do something. Things were changing. The climate was changing. Um, by 2009, the cottonwood pack had already been killed outside of the park because they had opened it up for hunting, and you know the pack was killed. 
And I knew things were changing and not for the better. They were changing in a horrible way. It was as if people were salivating and itchy trigger fingers were happening. And I had to do something. I wasn't settled anymore. And I left a good position and I moved to Montana and I moved to Helena. And um, I had the good fortune to be able to do so. And uh, I sat on the phone and I sent out emails to every organization I could find, everybody online I could find, anything and everything. I'm in Helena, Montana. I want to fight for wolves. I want to, you know, give me a shot. Give me a shot. And I heard nothing from nobody <laughs> until one day I got a phone call from a gal named Diane. And she said, I'm putting you in touch with a gentleman by the name of Mark Cook. And he's in Montana, just like you, and he'll be calling you here shortly. And I said, okay. My phone rang. Mark Cook was on the other end, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked. And it truly was um, the beginning of a phenomenal relationship and a partnership. And he is my brother. And uh, we worked together. Um, they threw me. They threw me into the briar patch very quickly uh, to FWP meetings where I definitely uh, learned how to fight. I learned how to fend for myself in a room full of, as I put it at one point in time, car hearts and top hats or big hats. And it was an interesting Thing to learn how to become strong and loud, yet, you know, to grab their attention because it was very easily um, pushed aside if you were wearing a pair of, you know, hiking boots and, uh, you know, a North Face shirt or something like that. They kind of knew who you were and would ignore you pretty quickly. So to gain their, uh, hmm. I don't know if it was respect or if it was just um, attention, but I learned very quickly on how to gain that attention uh, so that I could tell them what needed to be heard and let them know the facts. But we had some really great commissioners as I was learning and growing. And... Ron Moody was one of them, and Bob Ream. Both have since passed, and we are the worst for that because these men were tried and true, and they had been down the road and through the wolves, and I learned more from them, and to this day, more of their lessons come through. But Ron Moody was one person who said, Damn it, Kim. Would you quit? It's not about wolves. It's not about wolves. It's the big picture, and the big picture is public lands. And the sooner you learn that, the sooner you'll be able to save wolves. And I never understood until a couple of years ago where it all clicked. But Ron was a good man, and he, he was a good friend. And Bob Ream... <laughs> He is an iconic man who was a good, kind, strong 
advocate, and he really, really helped us forge our way when 06 was killed in 2012. And he, he was, he taught me lessons that I needed to know. I knew in my personal life when it came to work, but he said, you come to me with problems, but I need solutions. And I said, okay, you've got it. He was right. If you have a problem, have a solution, have some ideas on how to change that and make that problem go away. And so we knew we needed to close the areas around uh, Yellowstone National Park, so we created some, uh, what I considered at the time, just some good um, no-kill zones is what we called them. We would never call them a buffer because that's never a good idea, but we had no-kill zones, and, and I had sat down at painstaking hours and mapped out even latitude, longitude, the whole bit, Areas around the park that weren't so bad, that were, you know, a mile to two miles depth and from the length of, of Yellowstone National Park. And I took him to him, and I had it all laid out. And he said, my God, this is amazing, but we're not going to change <laughs> and go out there and change uh, latitude and longitude and 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 um, wolf ma or uh, uh, management units. We're not going to set them up specifically, but good job. How about we just use some elk management units that we already have in place? We changed them to three thirteen and three six. With three sixteen was already already there because of the uh, cottonwood pack. But anyway, uh, so we worked. We worked our butts off to try to protect some more wolves in these areas. And we had 313 and 316 in place at that time. And we continued to fight, and we continued to communicate, and we continued to push, and we continued to write and, and, and create friendships. And I think that's really where it all began to take place and take form is... Uh, when 06 passed, and we swore that she would never, ever, ever, that her death would never be in vain, and that we would fight to protect. And so that's where we continue to go. And for me, it is a passion. And wildlife is a passion. And wild lands are my passion. And I want to see freedom in that, because that's the point of wild is freedom. And so that is where I stand. That is who I am. That is pretty much why I do what I do. I believe in being wild, and I believe in being free. And we have to protect that freedom. And our wild life should be protected to feel that freedom. And our public lands should be safe from commercialization, from exploitation, from people raping and pillaging it to where we have nothing left. And that is why I do what I do, because I believe wholeheartedly that is our public lands are all we have left. And I will fight every day for those public lands. 
and the animals on it. But my passion lies with wolves. The persecution that they feel, the mirrored image that they have of us, I think deserves a fight. And that is my story. So thanks a lot for listening. I appreciate everyone out there. I appreciate the emails. I appreciate the messages. And I appreciate everyone in my morning rants that help in this fight for our public lands and that want to lend their voice to the fight for our wolves and other wildlife, our grizzly bears. And I hope everyone out there finds their passion that they want to fight for because truly advocacy is needed in very many facets of our life, right? We need more advocates, I believe, to change the way our lives are going and the things that we want to hold true. And um, for me, it's public lands and wildlife namely wolves. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back with you again um, on another episode. We want to talk about our uh, Realist Wolves campaign. So thanks a bunch. I appreciate you all so very much. I hope your holiday season is fantastic. And um, we'll see you real soon. Take care and always stay wild.